Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Happy New Year. It is 2024. I haven't seen you guys, and it seems like forever. I am Ina Esco, the host, of course, of the Verbally Effective Podcast. This podcast intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment, with a Memphis focus. And it seems like, you know, I haven't seen you guys in a while and we're in a newly renovated studio here at Spotlight Productions. I want to send a huge shout out to Fabian Matthews for this beautiful, beautiful, newly renovated location. Also, big shout outs to my girl, Tyranny, super producer in the building. And let me give you a few life updates with me, your double E. So as you guys know, I am still the innovator in residence for podcast programming at the historic Cossett Library in downtown Memphis. You guys need any help with podcasting, make sure you guys hit me up on any of the social media platforms at Ina Esco. Also, I got a new gig, ladies and gentlemen. I am back at iHeartRadio as the new co-host of the Mike Evans and the Memphis Morning Show. So you guys can catch me Every morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. That's during your weekdays with Mike Evans. But, hey, check it out. You know why we are here. It's time to get verbally effective. And today I have a gentleman with me that is amazing. When I say he's amazing, he is the principal over there at Westwood High School. He is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. He has you know, a fully accredited list of leadership skills we're going to talk about today and a great connection with the kids because I've seen him in action. I am talking about Trenton Watson. Hello. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I am great. Thank you so much for joining me today yes, ma'am. on the Thank Verbally Effective Podcast. How are you feeling this morning? I feel good. I feel uh, feel relaxed and, and uh, motivated. How about that? Okay, motivated. And, you know, you and I met very recently for a mental health event with the kids from Westwood with the Girls and Boys Club. And, you know, you were very engaged with the students. And I could tell that the students really like you. Number one, they like you. Because I I, I don't know, I can say that about (laughs) all the principals in the land. But I see there was a connection with you all and even in the conversation about mental health you could connect with the kids so I I thought that was amazing I said I got to get him on the verbally effective podcast I definitely appreciate it yes but let's start at the beginning Mr. Watson Trenton Trent when am I going to go with today let's go with Trent okay is that good yes ma'am that's fine okay where are you originally from Trent I am originally from uh, Memphis Tennessee born and raised Um, what part I started off in North Memphis Raleigh, Frazier area, uh, encompassed all of that. Uh, of course, moved to Nashville for college and then ended up back here in Memphis. Uh, I love this city and I want to see the city win. So coming back here, that's uh, been my focus. That's been your focus. Let's mm-hmm. let's dig a little bit into your upbringing in North Memphis. Okay. Um, you said about the Raleigh area. Tell me about growing up in North Memphis. I have quite a few people I know that grew up in North Memphis. They love North Memphis. They want to see it strive um, even today. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, you know, all things growing up in the you North. Know, just just um, the beautiful part about growing up in that part of town was that you got the, the chance to really be a kid. Um, from walking down 7th Street, 
going to the 7th Street store, uh, going to the Candy Lady. Uh, I'm remembering all of the uh, the Jackson Cookie Factory, um, <laughs> being a part of that process, um, you know, getting my hair cut in, in, in Hollywood. And then, of course, uh, as I as I grew up more, you know, being in Raleigh, different. Uh, Mr. Shout out to Mr. Butler, who's my barber, and uh, as a little kid, um, and just just growing up to you know see some things and actually be able to really enjoy, you know, being a part of the neighborhood and knowing everybody or being related to half the people in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a big process. Like when when I was in high school, I had at least. Uh, 30 cousins that were in the school with me at the same time. Wow. And so, what high school did you attend? I, I graduated from Raleigh Egypt High School. Okay. I yeah. went there one year. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when I moved to Memphis in 95, I went there my junior year. Okay. Yeah, Raleigh yeah. Egypt. Yeah, I was gone by then. You were gone by then? Yeah. I okay. Gone. I graduated in 1994. <laughs> okay. And let's talk about your family dynamic. What does that look like? Um, You know, I'm, I'm of course, married with four children um and uh my son being the oldest uh he's a interesting character mm-hmm. and of course uh my three daughters they are uh the people that run my life okay uh, i i get it yeah they they run my life but you know i love my 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 family very very much and i go very hard for them cuz i love hard mm-hmm. and and to all of the rest of my family in the city and outside of the city they can tell you um, that I put a lot of stock in them mm-hmm. uh, because uh, that's the way I was raised. Uh, my grandmother was very, very adamant about us being tight-knit. Um, there used to be a time when growing up every Sunday, we were always together. And I'm talking about the entire family, mm-hmm. and that was on purpose. And if you didn't show up, you better have a good reason. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's just the way it is for me. I understand. Uh, you mentioned your grandmother, and I dearly miss my grandmother. Absolutely. But, but you know, they instilled so many good values yeah. in you growing up as a child. Yeah. Set the foundation. Yeah. 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 So I heard you say you went to Nashville mm-hmm. for your education. Why Nashville, and where did you go? Well, uh, my mother uh, was a graduate of Tennessee State University, and it was uh, an honor and a privilege to follow in her footsteps. Uh, to go to Tennessee State. Nothing like 3500 John A. Mary Boulevard, Nashville, mm-hmm. Tennessee, 37209. Um, <laughs> great institution of learning. We we had a great time um, being a part of, of that institution. Loved it to death. And, um, you know, when I graduated, I always told my mother that I was never coming back to Memphis. But lo and behold, I was wrong about that. And why did you say that? Because I had intentions of staying in the Nashville area. And and uh, working in Nashville, and I I started off um, working in Nashville, but some things happened. Um, I wasn't really fulfilled in the position where I was, mm-hmm. and so I decided to move back. And when I moved back, I ended up in education, and uh, it was a great decision for me because mm-hmm. um, I, initially I never thought that I would be an educator. My mom was an educator for thirty years, mm-hmm. and I never thought that education was going to be the track that I would follow. But what was the initial track? Uh, I worked in public relations at HCA Hospital in Nashville. I can see that. And, uh, you know, I just it, it, it became I'm, I'm going to say it was a little boring because okay. I would pretty much have my work done on Tuesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, I got to do something else. Mm-hmm. And so I made the decision 
Um, many people say it was crazy, but I just needed to do something where I felt like I made a difference. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel like I made a difference there. Mm-hmm. And so coming back here and actually getting planted in the school and actually going through the process. And I always promised my mom and my grandmother that I would take education as far as I could. And so um, the day I received my terminal degree, you know, I, I was just so overwhelmed with emotion because I actually, you know, fulfilled this promise that I made to them. And so that was a big deal for me. Okay. And when you first entered into the education realm, what was the first school you worked? I, I started off in a, an alternative school. Mm-hmm. It was called Julie B. Hooks. Julia B. Hooks. Yeah, it was on Winchester. I started mm-hmm. off there. Um, and uh, it was interesting to work with children who had challenges. I'm not going to say that alternative, all alternative school kids are, are bad. They, were, they had challenges, and working with that population of students taught me a lot mm-hmm. about how to deal with children effectively. Mm-hmm. Then transitioning very, in a very short time to the traditional track, which was at Overton High School. And at Overton, I learned a lot about instruction. I learned a lot about uh, camaraderie. I learned a lot about you know, how to move, maneuver in the classroom, outside of the classroom, learning about sports, learning about the ins and outs of business of school. I learned it at Overton. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of the relationships I have in education uh, are so solid because of what I learned there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that I work with at Overton, I'm still tight with today. Mm-hmm. Uh, then moving from there to being in, in a very short period of time, uh, I became uh, principal at Northside Alternative School which was a non-traditional track because most of the time you don't move that fast. And how did you move that fast? Well, because I had an interest in uh, administration and my principal at Overton moved me out of the classroom my last year at Overton and made me an administrative assistant because he didn't have an additional AP spot, but he gave me the administrative assistant assistant opportunity because he saw something in me. Mm -hmm. And from there I had already had the credentials. So uh, it was easy for me to transition to Northside because nobody wanted to be the principal of alternative school at that time. Mm-hmm. So I took that opportunity and I worked it. And again, just learning about dealing with that population and how to deal and try to rehabilitate, if you will, those students to get them back into the traditional side. And then from there, going to Vance, because I wanted more of the traditional experience. And from and from Vance to to Dexter and Van, let me let me say this, the experience at Vance was so phenomenal because I, I got a chance to work with one of the people that's uh, a great mentor to me, Dr. Porner, mm-hmm. and he taught me a whole lot, and he still does. Uh, we were working out just the other day, and still teaching even today. You know, even though I've been in the business twenty plus years, he still has takes that opportunity to you know kind of implant some wisdom to me and I appreciate him for that and him giving me that opportunity because he was really the one that pushed the administrative process in the first place because it was him that said that he was doing a, a walkthrough at Overton and he said it's about that time that you move mm. and so um, that's how that really got started mm-hmm. so I, I really I really appreciate that and, and then you know going um, when the separation happened leaving Dexter I mean not leaving Vance and going to Dexter um, having to really get back into the classroom and look at the instructional track. Then you, once that happened, transition, because I've, I've moved quite a few places because of extenuating circumstances, but 
and trying to grow and develop uh, going then into the charter school process from working for Dr. Harrington, then going to Moz and Mace, um, learning about the charter school process. It's been um, phenomenal in terms of the teaching mm-hmm. process. And I never thought that, and I was in a good place in, in my, at Mace. I was in a good place. I was. Um, great job. Mm-hmm. Um, great people. Uh, had an opportunity to learn the operation side. I was doing great. Okay. But then I got a, a call about going to Manassas. Initially, I was like, eh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But because of the principal at Manassas at the time, Eric Cooper was my friend. It's like, this is easy. And it's North Memphis. Mm. It's easy. Going back to your roots. I'm going back to the roots. So I was like, this is easy. So mm-hmm. went over there and... I mean, I was at Manassas one year, and then Westwood. Westwood came knocking. Yeah, and so it was easy transition to Westwood. And to give you a little background about Westwood, Harold McRae was a longtime principal at Westwood, who was loved at Westwood, still is to this day. Um, he was, uh, I had known him since I was five years old. He used to always tell me as a kid that I was going to end up at Westwood, and I would argue with him. No, I'm not. Oh, wow. I'll never go to Westwood. I told him <laughs> verbatim, I will never set foot at Westwood High School ever. Mm. And look at today. That's where You're I am. You're the principal. Yeah. And so, you know, I always tell people, I just hate that, you know, he's not here to see it because it means a lot to me because he meant a lot to me mm-hmm. um, to be in that position. I have a picture of him in my office Sometimes they may think I'm crazy because I talk to the pitcher and ask him, you know, Mac, what would you do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Because I, I draw strength from who he was as a as an administrator. Um, and he gave me a lot of wisdom over the years. I got a chance to work with him a couple of times while he was retired, becoming a, a sub-principal sometimes. He'd be in the same area, and we could talk you know, about the business of school. So that was always beautiful. And so I'm just thankful to be in this position now. Awesome. Awesome. So you're now in a leadership role um, as the principal at Westwood High School. And, you know, we often for Memphis schools, you know, I'm reporting the news every morning and I think something came out recently with the schools being graded on like an A, B, C, D, E, F system Mm -hmm. uh, of sorts. Mm -hmm. And Memphis had quite a bit of schools um, ranking D and F. And I'm like, what is going on with that? What are some of the challenges you face um, as a principal? And what do you think are some of the biggest challenges in the Memphis Shelby County school system? Well, one of the things that we have to be honest about is that the metrics changed uh, for how they were grading schools. Um, they changed, they used the new metric system to, to grade us from last year's test scores. Oh, wow. So that's why you saw the breakdown with the grades, okay? Mm-hmm. Because initially the grades would have been a lot higher if we had to use the same metrics that they were supposed to use from last year. Why didn't they use the Well, that's the just, ones? anytime, let's just be honest, anytime Memphis starts to catch up, they mm-hmm. move the needle, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. Okay. Uh, we have a phenomenal group of educators in this city. Let's not get it twisted. There's some very in, highly intelligent people in this city that do great work. Uh, from from the Levi Pointers, the Rodney Rowans, the Alicia Kiners, our our interim superintendent Tony Wills. These are some high, these are some highly intelligent people. 
uh, the Angela White laws. We have to be honest about that. But when we start to catch up, because we know how to manipulate the system to help to work for us, mm-hmm. when that happens and our kids start to show success, well, we're going to move this needle again. So now guess what we have to do? We have to go back to the drawing Start board, back over. go back to work and we'll catch up again and then they'll move the needle. That's, that's just, that's just how, it, that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, our challenge is, is getting everybody on board to understand that this work is not about buy-in. It's about ownership. We have to own it. Mm-hmm. That's something that the principal uh, Tara Harris and at BTW and Jocelyn Mosby at Oak Haven and I talk about, or, uh, Eric Brent at Treadsman or Chris Davis at Melrose, uh, Diavoa over at Hamilton. This is the things that we talk about. Dr. Diggs at Oakhaven Middle. Just want to man and Eric Cooper. All of us talk about this constantly about how we can continue to move the needle. We try to get ahead. So when they do move it, you know, we've already surpassed where you're trying to take this thing. Mm-hmm. And our kids are in a position to be successful at all times. Yeah, that's what we have to do. Wow, I thought that was so interesting. I'm glad you're able to break that down because I right. did not know that information. Right. So I'm glad you're able to communicate that. And um, let's talk about real quick uh, before we go into a break. Uh, Trenton Watson, what makes you different than any other principal here in Memphis? Your approach. Um, I think just for me, uh, I've never been one to feel like I've reached the pinnacle of success in terms of education because I've always felt like I always have room to grow. Uh, when they asked me in the evaluation process, uh, what's my, what my areas of strength? I don't really have one cause I want to keep growing. Gotcha. I feel like if I, if I hit that ceiling and I'm a, a level five, which is the highest you can be across the board, it's time for me to retire. Okay. Yeah. I, I just want to keep growing. I want to keep getting better because Things change, Mm -hmm. and I want to keep up with those changes. And so if I'm keeping up with the changes, that means that I'm always growing because, obviously, there's always something I can learn. Yes, sir, always something you can learn, continuous growth. And I will say you also have a great connection with the kids. I I saw that in person. Yeah, and that's that's, uh, a process that I really work hard on Mm -hmm. uh, because I want them to feel comfortable with me. Because there's going to be time, and I tell them all the time, yeah, I'm going to fuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to yell sometime. But it's not about um, that I don't care. I'm concerned about you. That's why right. I do it. Uh, that's why I walk the neighborhood. That's why, you know, I get out, try to see what's going on in the street, keep my ear to the street so I can feel the pulse of the neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of that stuff comes back to the school. True. So goes the school. So goes the community. That's why I keep a tight knit with with everybody from Pastor Watkins at Mount Vernon to Joe Cox with the youth of Westwood. We want to make sure that uh, we keep our ear to the street. And that is extremely important. Well, Trent, we are going to take a short break. And you're extremely verbally effective so far, I might add. But we're going to get you a little bit more verbally effective with some Esco's Pop Talk and a few Spitfire questions in the next segment. Okay, Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to be right back with Trenton Watson with more Verbally Effective. 
And we are back for part two of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco, sitting here with my good friend, Trenton Watson, the principal over there at Westwood High School. And, you know, Trenton, we've been talking a lot about leadership, and we have quite a few leadership changes overall that are on its way here in Memphis, of course, mm-hmm. with our new mayor, Paul Young. Our brother. Your brother, your frat brother. Absolutely. How are you feeling about that? I think it's a great opportunity. Um, I think Paul is going to bring some great energy to the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to make some um, important changes uh, that w- that are needed here. Uh, it's going to be some work, but uh, he's prepared. He's built for it. Oh, definitely. And, and he's ready to roll. Um, that's that's the best part is that he's ready. Yeah. Um, and I think we just have to put all of the ego to the side, those who were running against him, those who yes. supported people who run it, ran against him. Let's get behind him. Uh, let's own this work. Let's make some changes here in the city. We can do it together, but it's only going to happen if everybody gets on board and let's do it together. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what Paul is going to bring. Just Absolutely. New blood, you know, a Absolutely. fresh lens for the city of Memphis, something I think that we've been needing so badly. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Speaking of leadership, still, we're going to have an incoming superintendent very soon. We, right. we, we, I think they've narrowed it down to three. Yes, ma'am. But let's talk about it. Um, I know you guys have an interim superintendent right now. Right. However, with a superintendent, a, a permanent superintendent not being named just yet, has that been a void for you all? with the education system here in Memphis or no? You have Tony, Tony has done a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Williams has done a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. You know, many people wanted her to be the permanent superintendent. Um, so why is that not happening? Well, I think that, you know, there was just some decisions made uh, because of the transition and, you know, the discord from outside of the district and, mm-hmm. you know, some other reasonings behind uh, why she uh, isn't going to be the permanent superintendent, but I tell you what, um, I really appreciate the work she does. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, she is very accessible and she listens. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that's been um, a great, a great thing about working with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she listens to you and she, and she's open for ideas and she shows up. Um, she doesn't hide in her office yeah, she's out and about. She shows up and, and we appreciate that uh, about her, you know, so whatever she's getting ready to do, whatever, you know, track she's getting ready to be on. You know, I support her because I think she's a great person. Awesome. Awesome. So you're going to miss her. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to miss her. Miss her very much. So, um, like I said, she's she's done a great job and yeah. especially supporting uh, our schools and especially at Westwood. Um, I hadn't gotten a no yet. Knock mm-hmm. on wood. So I appreciate her. <laughs> All right. Well, sticking with the theme of leadership, let's jump into Esco's Pop Talk, hitting on some of the biggest trending news just worldwide right now. And one of those things is leadership in the music industry Mm -hmm. and even in the spiritual world. We're talking about the dismantling of an entertainment dynasty right now. Mm -hmm. And who do you think of when I say that? (laughs) Give me give me at least two names. Uh, Well. I'm I'm thinking you're talking about Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy. P. Diddy. Diddy. And you're talking about T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes. So let's get into it because um, 
just at the top of this month, or it could have been late November, uh, Diddy's former girlfriend, Cassie, she filed a civil lawsuit um, stating that she was sexually assaulted. Um, mm. You know, the uh, actual documentation was just dreadful to read uh, with everything that she went through being Diddy's girlfriend, the things that he had her doing. Um, not going to just say that right here on the podcast because we've heard it over and over again. However, other women are coming out saying right. that they've been sexually assaulted as well with Diddy. And not only Diddy, other people in the industry that have been pioneers and leaders right. in the music industry. Um, people are coming out. Women are coming out. Men are coming out saying that they have been sexually assaulted right. and being in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, you see some of that going on. Um, thank God I've never had to encounter any of that in my career <laughs> for the last two decades. Right. Thank God. But um, there have always been rumors about Diddy. Mm. You know, we, we don't, we never knew if they were true or not, but this civil lawsuit, it really kind of opened our eyes to you know what he's been doing because there's two sides of it you know he's this great producer um great pioneer in the music industry but then the other side of that is we have all of these allegations right right so how do you feel about that and and td jakes you mentioned td jakes um people have connected diddy and td jakes as mm. well going to these freak off parties right and they're calling T.D. Jakes a power bottom. I can't even believe this is coming out of my mouth. But right. this is what's going on. So one of the words that you just use is uh, allegation. The, the dangerous thing about our country is you are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But I think in many cases you're guilty until proven innocent. Um, the way social media has, <laughs> has taken a, <laughs> a life of its own. You know, it's more about, it's built more on chaos than connection, mm -hmm. if if you will. Um, people love confusion. Uh, they love drama. Mm -hmm. uh, they love discord. They love disconnect. They want to see dirt. Because you think about it, when you turn on the news, that's the first thing you usually see is something bad has happened. That's what's pushed in the headline. And so, um, of course, when the lawsuit is dropped and he pays it the next day, automatically it's like, oh, yeah, it's an admission of guilt. Of course, he did yeah. all of that. And that he, paid her, time. he paid her well. And then all of these other people start to come out. And then all of this other news started to attach itself. I, I just saw something recently where there are other pastors that are being attached to this whole process as well. So it's like, come on now. Are, are we taking it too far? Because now, what does that do from a spiritual perspective? Because when I was coming up, a lot of men used to say, I'm not going to church because those pastors, they ain't doing nothing but stealing and making a fool out of you. Mm. But now, if this happens to be true, oh, well, y'all made my point. See what I'm saying? Y'all running down there giving all your money and your time to that church, and then look at what this pastor's doing. And then you start to dig up stuff on and tie it to what happened with Eddie Long. Yes. They bring that's coming back up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we saw what happened with R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be the same type of process? 
who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of information that comes out. There's going to be some people that um, are tagged in this that are going to surprise you. Nothing surprises me anymore because all this stuff that we've seen happen over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anything's possible. Yeah. But, you know, we can't, as they say in the uh, court of law, we cannot confirm nor deny yeah. whether this stuff is true. And, you know, they're going back in history because of different Survivors Act. They had the Survivors Act, and there's another pending act um, where it kind of changes, what is it, not the jurisdiction, but um, the amount of time that can go by with Mm -hmm. you filing a claim, right? So we just talked about yesterday, Jermaine Jackson, (laughs) a woman coming out from 1988. Right saying that she was assaulted by Jermaine Jackson. And so what does that say about the statute of limitation? What yeah. do we say? I mean, it's it's just, um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. You know, this is just the type of things that we try to instill in our kids in, in, in the Westwood area. Uh, just being mindful of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is should be intentional. Um, and think things through. Think before you do. That's a Big, big mantra that we use at the school. Uh, the alumni of Westwood has been phenomenal in helping to push the agenda of what we're trying to do at, at Westwood. Um, and our kids just have to understand that. Um, that's why it's important for us to be consistent. Not just talk about it, but be about it and be mm-hmm. consistent with it and show up every day because things like this uh, happen. And then everybody is going to take this because it was on social media as the truth. This is the truth. But it could very well be falsehood, and we don't know. True. Because we don't have the information. Were you there? Mm-hmm. Were you a part of it? Mm-hmm. Were you standing in the room? Well, if not, then wait a minute. Back up. Let's get the facts straight. Mm-hmm. That way everything is clear and on the table. That's what everything. We have to have the facts because there's going to be a lot of hurt that comes out of this if it's to be true. Oh, yeah. A lot. Uh, for one, T.D. Jakes has a massive congregation. Huge. And a huge well, following he's handed nationally, it, handed internationally. handed it over to his daughter, Sarah Jakes, right? Has that mantle been? Well, he still he still has a, a massive following internationally. Sarah Internationally. Has, Sarah has picked up some steam mm-hmm. uh, with the things that she's doing. But what does that look like if this comes out to be true? Yeah. How does that change the trajectory of people and their thought process in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm. Will this really have a major effect across the board on how people view going to church? I believe it's so. It's take a huge hit. It's going to shake your faith up seriously. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned social media and uh, you conversing with the kids about social media. Are you having to have those conversations often? Because, you know, they've grown up in a world with it. We didn't. Right? Absolutely. So... How are those conversations going with, well, with just social media in general? With conversations the have to be real. Just be honest. Um, you have to be careful about what you put out there, mm-hmm. the content where you put that. I always question why people would always talk about where they were. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell everybody where you are, what you're doing, what time you're going to get there. Okay. I mean, good gracious. Then you wonder how people that you don't want show up because mm-hmm. you've shown them on social media where you are, what you're doing. Uh, it's okay to to highlight certain things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But it can be a little taxing when you are too personal. Mm-hmm. You're showing everything. 
Um, you think about the artist that was killed. Um, who was that Pop Smoke? Mm-hmm. On social media, showed the address where he was. What happened? Mm-hmm. People showed up and he ends up killed. Right. I mean, some stuff don't need to go on social media. Yeah. Bag up just a little bit. Yeah, and that was a regular day for Pop Smoke. Right, you know, and that was a regular day. That. But again, social media has become more about chaos than connection. Yeah, and it has affected mental health in a Absolutely. major way. Absolutely. Insecurities, um, just a gamut of right. issues. Because people see how you live in and they get upset because they wish they were living that way. Mm-hmm. And then something clicks in their head like, well, I tell you what, you're going to have to live the way I do. Let me take that away from you. You don't have to put everything out there. Yeah. I tell my son all the time, a lot, and a lot of the things that you see on social media could be a facade. Absolutely. You know, everything you see is not real. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we have dipped and dived into Esco's Pop Talk. Now it's time to get into a few Spitfire questions. (laughs) Okay. Trenton Watson. So let's kick it off with this. First question, um, if your school, Westwood, had a theme song, what would it be and why? If my school had a theme song, mm-hmm. uh, what would it be and why? Well, interestingly enough, uh, I'm a big 8-Ball MJG fan. Okay, 8-Ball so MJG. On August 17th, 1993, one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever to release, be released in the city of Memphis coming out hard. Uh, that uh, the title track from that particular um, album coming out hard. That's what we do. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Do you think your students will be familiar with that theme uh, song? Interesting though. I did an interview with two of my students. I talked about that. And they was like, who is that? <laughs> so I got some work to do <laughs> to make sure my babies understand. You can play it in the morning. Right, every morning yeah, we, we'll off. try to say we come yeah. out hard, but that's what we're doing. Coming out hard. I like that. Absolutely. Okay. What has been the most memorable aha moment for you as an educator? the most memorable aha moment as an educator. I think coming into education, learning that all students are different and really getting an understanding of what differentiation is, what that looks like uh, with our kids, because as much as you want to say that all these children are the same, they're not. Everybody's personality is different. Mm -hmm. And some of them are way different. We just have to learn how to deal with them and know how to, um, you know, effectively deal with those children and gotcha. different attitudes. Gotcha. Yes, they are different. Um, what is one of your favorite books to recommend to students and why? I absolutely love To Kill a Mockingbird. It's my favorite book. It always has been. I probably read it a hundred times. I love the book because I find something different every time. And I use a lot of the things from that book. When I when I do my Monday messages to the staff, uh, just trying to motivate them. Okay. And what is your preferred mode of education with students, as far as communication goes? Well, for me, um, it's and then it just go back to this, but from um, from a spiritual perspective, a pastor used to say, "I'd rather see a sermon than hear one." Mm-hmm. So I try to make sure that I walk it. I got talking. I want them to see that this is who I really am. I'm authentic. Um, I'm not trying to put on airs or trying to do a dog and pony show so somebody can say, oh, yeah, this no, this is who I am. Um, 
And that's the way it is. I want you to say, yeah, he's exactly who he say he is. Yes, sir. And what is the most rewarding aspect of seeing former students succeed in later years? That means we did something something right. We, we inspired them. And that's our job as educators is to inspire our kids to be more than what they thought they could be. Mm-hmm. And if we can inspire them, then, then we're winning. That's what we're supposed to do. Do you often have students that come up to you later in life that you've taught before and like, Absolutely. Mr. Watson, Absolutely. I'm doing ABCD. Absolutely. I can't get rid of Christian Streeter. He graduated <laughs> from Westwood and he still comes back, but yes. um, I'm proud of him um, mm-hmm. seeing where he came from mm-hmm. and to see him now. Um, and he has a lot of respect with the kids at Westwood because, you know, they love Christian, but I, I knew Christian a long time ago and he's a good kid, uh, but he's an example. And there's been, been many others, um, like Miss Johnson, who works at the school now. She was one of my former kids at Vance. Great. Absolutely wonderful. But it's, it's good to see them doing well. Mm-hmm. And uh, she smiles every morning uh, and talks about, you know, the times when she was one of my students. And so that's always a great thing. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Wow. Well, you did a great job and still verbally effective with the Spitfire questions, Mr. Watson. And I just want to thank you for stopping by the Verbally Effective podcast. You are a true motivator and inspiration. I appreciate you for having me. Yes. Any final words for our verbally effective audience that you would like to share? Well, one thing I want us to do is to always be consistent. Um, We have a lot of work to do. And this work cannot be done by just a few people. We have to band together to be the best city possible. We have to own this work and it's going to have to, um, it's going to have to be something that must be done on a day to day basis. We can't just talk about it. We have to be about it. And that's everybody from the preachers to the teachers, to the administrators, to um, the guys that are hanging out on the block. We have to change the perspective. We have to change the, the trajectory of our city. We have to work together. And that's the only way we're going to be able to do it. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, Trenton Watson, principal. I'm going to say president of the United States, but (laughs) principal over there at Westwood High School, member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity, um, one of our leading educators in the city of Memphis. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Ina Esco YouTube channel and also tune in bright and early weekday mornings, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. to the Mike Evans and the Memphis Morning Show. I am the new co-host over there at iHeartRadio and I appreciate all of your support. Hit that follow button on all platforms for Verbally effective. This is the Spotlight Podcast Network.